Welcome back to the Outdoor Drive Podcast. We are back in our home studios. We are here in Coventry, Connecticut. I'm with my boy. Ghost Hunter. And we have, and joined by, our good friend and co-host. Stephen Clark. Stephen Clark. Oh, man. It is so nice to be back in the studio and just kicking it. I don't, actually, this is our first one in studio. In hometown. In hometown studio. Mm -hmm. Literally, hometowns, plural. Yeah. We we haven't kicked it. I mean, this is the first one kicking it like this. I mean, we we came out with with a vengeance, um, kicking it off in the Harrisburg show two weeks ago, and it has just been nothing but the greatest thing to follow from, from here on out. So... What has everyone been up to? How's things been? I mean, like, we've just been, like I said, full-fledged, just arms back, head first, just going at it. So we haven't had too much of relaxation. It's been uh, it's been open arms for all of us. Well, I haven't had well, any I, alcohol since <laughs> since then. Yeah, that's I don't know a very about, good point. I don't know about you very guys. Good point. Still, still very sober, not drinking. Um, <laughs> even the thought of alcohol makes me a little green. But, yeah, you know, we're good. And uh, so just nice to be eating regular food again. I mean, I love the Amish, but they fucked me up. <laughs> they really did. But oh, it was worth every minute of it, though. Yeah, it's just good to be home. How about you, man? How's Virginia? It's nice, man. We've had some awesome weather. Been uh, high 60s the last couple of days. So spent some time boots on ground looking for a little bit of bone and just really trying to enjoy before we get the fluke April snowstorms. Right. Fluke <laughs> April. Snowstorm. God, it never fails. Yeah. No, we're going to get in one April, more. We'll get a month. Yeah, we'll get we'll get a bad one here in March normally and then and then it will be off to the races, but I'm fucking yeah, I, I kid you not. 3 years ago, we doubled on a turkey opening morning in a snowstorm. Jeez. That's mid-April. Wow. That's crazy. That's fun though. I mean, how many fucking oh, times was, are you gonna tell that story? That you can kill one in yeah. the snow. Opening day, I mean, it was that, amazing. That's got cool. it all on film. It's wonderful. Yeah. Speaking of turkey season, I mean, everyone's ramping up more and more for it. I know I've been getting tons of messages from friends on social media, and just what are, are we really gonna come to Virginia and just put the hurt on some birds before CT opens up? Is this what we're gonna They're do, gentlemen? You're waiting for you, man. I mean, it's it's there. Yeah. I think we got to do it. I think we got to go down or over and across, whatever the fuck we got to do. <laughs> and over the uh, mountain and through the woods. And up to the hills to the fucking turkeys we go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about yeah, that. Are we, are we? Should we set some goals for the for this upcoming turkey season? I mean, like, that's kind of like my thing I've always done is, you know, set set the goals. Um I mean, now that we're we're open to five for the season. I mean, we've had five, but 
And now we can kill five across the board. And not that's, just... That's just mind-blowing. To a lot of people across this country, that is mind-blowing that we can kill five birds on private or state land. And we there we might be able to... There's a rumor hunt all day now instead of stopping at noon, right? which and, is huge. And we were five, three on private, two on state, but now we can do five across the board. So Jeez. last year with us being able to kill three on private... Uh, my goal was to kill three with the bow, um, and then I didn't even worry about my state land birds. Um, so I'm not really sure what my goal is going to be for this year. I think, I think honestly, I'm going to knock one one down with a bow, one with the recurve, and then the all the rest are just going to fucking get it. Um, Led to the face? <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, it's going to be nice to be able to to, to take out the shotgun. Right. Um, There's something about putting a freaking five or six shot in a face just just erasing the beak i was using those triple b the triple beard i'm sorry um the long beard xr yes and i would tell you something that's my go-to they fucking roll birds i rolled a bird two years ago at 50 something yards with that um he just wouldn't commit and I said, you know what, fuck it, and it was a stock Remington extra full turkey choke um, with those um, those triple beard, and it was fucking lights out. I remember it like oh, yeah. it was yesterday. Um, but there's they, something just gnarly. like it's like going to Disneyland for grown men <laughs> when you, when they come in and you just get to let the hammer drop. I mean, it, it's unbeatable. I love smelling gunpowder early in the morning sometimes, yeah. <laughs> you know, because I don't rifle hunt or shotgun hunt for whitetails. So my only, and I don't bird hunt when it comes to like small game wing, you know, shooting wing wings. Shooting. Shooting. So the only time for me to shoot a gun is really at turkeys in their fucking face. Right. And, you know, I think Trev brought up a great, great point. It was like, what are our goals going to be for this year? And I think... Not only should we talk about ours, but we should talk about our listeners' goals, and they should really chime in and let us know so we can follow along, because I think it's cool to actually set out a goal, like talking to to Wiltsy from fucking yeah. Wild Edge. Like, I was talking to him yesterday. He has a goal. He's get He has two birds. He killed his first two birds on film, back-to-back, first time ever bow hunting, and he's like, I'm never going to shoot a bird with a gun again. My goal is to always tag out with a bow. Right. And I find that uh, really respected because I I don't have that loyalty just yet. <laughs> I don't. I, 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 I'm sorry. I love it's, the bow. I love the gun. It's not easy. It's, it's... It, that flexibility, though, it's great because there's times that, you know, you take the shotgun and the bow, and when that sucker just will not come in, hey, you can still close the deal. That's what I like going with two people, one with the bow, one with the gun, and just, hey, he's 50 yards and just not going to commit. So, And that and that happens a lot. I mean, I the bird actually that I was just talking about that I had shot at 50 yards and held up, um, where we were, um, we have some bow hunting only areas um, on public land here. And I was actually on, um, I didn't know, when we had ran in, it was like, 15 minutes till um, closing time for us because we can only hunt till noon at the time. And uh, so I, I was like, all right, let's run into this spot real quick. I want to hit a call, see if there's anything that responds back, and then we'll get in after him in the morning. 
Well, I went in there and it was probably maybe, I don't know, 2,000, 2,500 uh, yards away from the truck. And I hit the call and this thing fires up and I'm like, we got 15 minutes. So I look at my buddy and I say, listen, run back to the truck, grab the crossbow. I'm going to smoke this thing. I think I'm on bow only. Well, when he gets back to the truck, he realizes that we were actually on the gun side. So I could shoot him with a gun. So he grabs the shotgun and he grabs a crossbow and he comes back. He's like, which one do you want to kill him with? I said, if he comes in close enough, I'm going to kill him with the crossbow. If he doesn't, I'm going to smoke him in the face with the shotgun. Well, he came in um and held up i don't know if he actually held up or i just saw him and i wanted to kill him but i say so i grabbed the shotgun and i end up dumping him um but it's nice to be able to have that option if you want to shoot him with a shotgun or or with a bow and and sometimes but see the the one thing that sucks about the liberal state that we live in is we can't have uh one or the other in the blind if it's only one person so that's when when Ghost Hunter was talking about it with having two people in the blind, um, you have to you have to have two people in the blind to be able to do one or the other. We can't carry so during bow season, if it's bow season, we can't bring a muzzleloader with us or a shotgun with us in the in the stand. It's either one or the other. Um, one of the negative things about Connecticut. Yeah, it has its ups and downs, but that's kind of a downfall for you know, especially for turkey hunting. But it's nice to double up team up go with two guys and you know you got to understand not everyone has a lot of freedom to hunt like we do um we're pretty fortunate and lucky to hunt with our schedules and work and you know our lives and sometimes guys have one or two days to go out a season and you want to get some meat on the ground and you want to pound some fucking feathers yeah so i i don't discredit anyone for using any type of weapon it is all hunting we're all doing the same shit we're all trying to get birds down, and a goal is a goal. So who am I to say, like, you want to shoot five birds at 50 yards with a gun? Like, that's your goal. Good for you. Let them have it. Have at it. Well, that's the thing is, if you look at it, if you go out and you can get a turkey, I don't care what weapon you're using, that's not an easy task. Ask any first-time hunter who's trying to do his first solo hunt. You're not just going to walk out to the woods and have instant success unless you have that one fluke morning where the stars align. So the weapon doesn't matter. It comes down to that game. Absolutely. And and, and going back on that, um, the Easterns are, well, I didn't realize this, but they say that the Easterns are some of the hardest to kill. And I didn't even know that. I thought that they were pretty fucking easy. But well, everyone you get a seems bunch of see- guys going out there and handing diplomas out preseason. You know, they know what it's like to be called at. And that's and that's one of the biggest negatives about about this. And I think a lot of people get a, a bad uh, they they with with roosting the birds, roosting the birds, find out what the where the birds are roosted, find out where the birds are roosted. Well, what a lot of people don't understand is you're educating those birds because nine times out of ten, they're going out and, and using a box call or they're you know, they're making hen noises at these birds and they're really educating these birds to to human movement um human sound yeah a human sound yeah. and what a lot of people don't understand is when you do roost these birds an owl call a crow call um or even i mean sometimes man i mean depending where i am i'll take two license plates and smash them together um just to get that shot gobble slam a car door lay um, on your car horn yeah it I mean, works there's a million and one things and not 
not going out into the field trying to find those birds and making actual hen noises to to those toms. Um, you're not handing out a diploma, as Stephen said. So that's definitely one of the things that I would definitely not do is definitely not make hen noises to them. They get call shy quick. Ugh. These birds are smart. They get it. They want you to make sure you're committing that last 60 yards because I don't give a shit. In Connecticut, you can make a bird close a 300-yard gap to 60 in no time. But that last 30 yards, they're they're, they're, they're tricky. I mean, I mean, we've all probably all been in the situation where um, – Later in the season, you go to hit a call, a box call or whatever, and you just literally you're watching the birds. You hit the box call for the first time, and he does not strike a gobble, and he turns around and runs the other way. Well, let me tell you something. That bird has been so educated a million and one times for the past three weeks of the season. What do you think is going to happen? Now you have to outsmart that bird, and you have to be in that bird's path where that bird wants to go. So now that's where it comes into play where you want to know where that bird roosts and you want to know where that bird strut zone is. His strut and zone, you, man. And you want to get in between the two of them. Um, and that's and that's not a fucking easy task. And that's what makes the Eastern so hard to kill. So, Steven, do you have any goals for this upcoming 2020 season? Oh, I do and I don't. Uh, I always tend to get my head wrapped around that I want the first two with a bow, and then I'll finish the last one with a shotgun. But after the first two, I always get hung up, and I'll drag the bow out, and I'll go for three when I shouldn't. You know, because them late-season birds, like you're saying, they're educated, they know what they're doing, they've heard it all. You know, you've had everything from competition callers to amateurs who've never blown a reed in their life out there, and they're they're skittish. Yeah. Plus, they're, you got to play the phases. So, depending if you read the phase wrong, you may play the bird wrong. Now, so, do you have any goals as far as, like, it comes... I know you guys do the veteran hunt every single year. Is that is that still in play for the season? So, the vet hunt is on the line right now. Uh, we may or may not do it, just depending, but we're still working it. Uh, we got plenty of time, and I think we can make it happen. Uh, ultimately... That would be the goal is if I can get my two vets out here opening weekend and we can get them both birds, I could care less if I get a bird. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, there's nothing Absolutely. like watching these guys come out who's never turkey hunted. You walk them through everything. You go out, you guide them, you set them up. And when they get their first bird, I mean, I feel accomplished. I know you guys have done a lot of, uh, we'll say, guiding on the fishing side. When you watch someone land their first big fish, you know, that right there is what it's about. Right. So Absolutely. I feel the same way. It no. gets you jacked up in a different way. Like seeing it someone does. else be successful is fucking, it's just, I'm right there with you, man. I think that's the importance of the outdoors, man, is just spreading that 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 feeling of what it is to actually accomplish, um, I guess we'll call it a goal, or accomplish something that you're trying to do as far as taking taking an animal and harvesting an animal because there is no feeling in the world. Um, I know I feel it just like it was my first time every single time. And it passed that along to other people. Um, it actually means more to me to watch their smile than it is to, for me to, to harvest an animal, um, of that season. But we all got really big goals for this season. And as ghost hunter said, um, 
we want to hear your goals. We want to hear what you want to do for the season. So go out there and and reach out to us and let us know, man, because we definitely want to know what you're going to do for this upcoming turkey season. Um. So what have you you got? Have you guys gotten out and tried to find some bone? I know uh, Stephen found some absolute giant this this uh, today. You want to go into a little bit of detail on that? Yeah, I'll I'll go through a little bit of detail on it. Um, went out and was doing a job at one particular site where I work, and on the way back I passed a beautiful, probably ten acre field that I've seen a lot of big deer in. So pulled off in a pull off there, and just just did a basic field edge search didn't grid search the field didn't get back into the timber just walk the edge and that tends to be my most successful spot and I made it all the way around this field I was on the last I don't know half mile and came around to peak and at this point I'd kind of you know you get that feeling like oh well not today today's not the day not finding any bone and I came around that corner and there was this stud (laughs) six point side laying on the ground in front of me and Cha-ching. was able to pick it up and just kind of get my hands around it. Uh, got the pictures out on most of the social media platforms so everyone can see. Cause I mean, I was dumbfounded. The mass on it is insane. Um, the measurements between the G2 and G3, it's an eight inch circumference. Wow. If that that's puts awesome. that in perspective. Jesus. Between G2 and G3. That's fucking yeah. awesome. I mean, it's, it's, I had to measure it for myself because it was just insane. It looks crazy. It almost looks palmated. And uh, between the three and four, it's a six and three quarter inch diameter. Jeez, the palmation. So it was a beast. And that's with a broken off G4 and a broken off drop tine. So there's no telling what the actual score was. But with the bone itself that I have in hand, I've got it right here. The one side is about 58 and 6 eighths. Jesus. So I'm assuming I'm missing 4 to 8 inches of bone on it. Wow. And it's missing a drop time? It's missing a drop time. I have no clue. I've not seen the deer in person. Uh, Completely new deer from anything I've seen. So I can only guess what it was. And the break, it's about a inch and a half diameter base where it broke off. Wow. That's crazy. So it could be anywhere from two to four inches is my guess. Wow. That's fucking awesome, man. That's absolute beast. I've been waiting to, to find something other than a fucking spike horn. I got a spike horn with a kicker today. That's number three for me. So, <laughs> and I'm still on the magic goose egg of fucking just finding nothing but disappointment out there. That's all I'm getting. But and, and yeah, the, the sad part about it today, if I remember right, uh, you kind of came across a unicorn still on the hoof. Yeah, what was that all about? You know, so I mean, we've we've as a lot of people will know on my social media. If you guys don't aren't friends with me on social media, it's. It could, for the entertainment, it might be a good thing you guys can find me, CT Trev. But um, <laughs> I was actually I was able to find an eight pointer that was probably in the one forty one fifty class uh, a couple of weeks ago. This one definitely trumps this uh, that one. Um, he's probably in the one fifty class, we'll call it, and he had um, pie ball spots all over him um, on the lower part of his abdomen. He had big white spots. 
I jumped him off of an island in a river, and uh, him and one of his buddies. Um, but he was nothing but horn, man. He just all I could see was this giant horn. It was almost like touching on the top of how long the tines were. Um, and I was actually on the phone with Steven when this happened, and I watched him I run across. I thought you were gonna river. fall over. I'm not gonna lie, bro. Well, at first you thought that I had a. I found one, and I was like, no, it's still alive. It's running no, away. I fucking found one. <laughs> he's, he's got both he's sides. He's running him. away. He's running away with them. <laughs> yeah. So he was still carrying. So. I'm I'm gonna leave him alone. I'll probably stay out of that property. It's a smaller inner city property, um, so I'll probably stay out of there for the next probably week or so, um, and go back in and find it. Uh, Steve's like, uh, you know, you should probably call your DNR and see if you can get um, urban tags. And I'm like, Steve, I'm standing in the middle of a fucking car lot right now. They sell used cars. <laughs> I'm like, I just watched him run through it. Uh, so it was kind of. It, I mean, that's where you find all your big deer. I mean, and, and I knew I was going to come up on something. I thought I was going to find bone, not a big a big area at all. Um, but there was just scrapes and rubs and everything like that. So, and they were actually, dude, it was pretty crazy. If you guys haven't seen it, but on my Snapchat or I think I put it on my Instagram story too, they were literally walking the side of the mountain, dude. They like it was on this river bottom, and it's a shale. St- deep ass cliff and they literally were cutting right into the side of it um i couldn't even the walk one place through. you can't hunt them yeah yeah literally and that's exactly where they're walking and i'm walking with my buddy jeff and i'm like you gotta be fucking kidding me i can't believe that they're literally scaling the side of this mountain and there'd be rubs like every hundred feet and i'm like this doesn't even make sense Whatever. We'll see what ends up happening. I'll end up finding that thing's horns. Hopefully I can get a picture get, of him. You know where his bed is now, so that's half the battle. Yeah, hopefully it's just that bed where he drops them horns. But Well, we do have a special guest tonight. I don't know, unless everyone wants to hear us ramble on for the rest of the night. But No, no I think they're probably sick of it at this point. Yeah, they're, We should get on to the important people. Yeah, I guess we can allow a guest to come on. So let's get mock. From noise, the game calls on the phone. Let's give him a holla. What do you guys think? Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's we're, do it. Round him up. All right, guys. We're back on the line with our friend, Mark. Mark Buzzle from Nor'easter Game Calls. Mark, you there, buddy? I sure am. I'm right here. So what's going on? Oh, I'm just working away in the shop, taking a break to talk with you guys and maybe talk a little bit about what's going on in the shop to you guys as well. All right. Well, let's uh, let's turn the key. Start this engine and let's get the drive underway. Tell us, um, tell tell us who you are. Well, obviously, I'm Mark Buzzle from Nor'easter Game Calls, and you can find me on Instagram and Facebook and my website at nor'eastergamecalls.com. And as you know, I build custom game calls one at a time with my set of hands. So each one's been cut by me. I build it, I tune it, adjust it, and it comes with a lifetime warranty which is pretty unusual these days. Um, I'll warranty it for life when you buy it, and if you have to ship it back, I will pay you the return shipping to get it to me. Wow. That's uh, that's something else. What kind of calls do you actually make? I mean, I know a lot of us know, but uh, what do you make? Like, what what are you working on now, I guess? Uh, right now I'm working on I'm turning out a couple elk calls. Uh, I get a request to do some of those, and I'm actually doing them out of mammoth ivory, real mammoth ivory from Alaska, mixed in with a lumalite resin. And I'll be turning some out of some uh, exotic woods as well. But I do duck and goose and squirrel and coyote and predator calls, rabbit squealers, 
Um, pretty much, if you can hunt it, I build a call for it. Turkey pots, I do turkey box calls. Um, and I try to stay outside the box a little bit, not the normal. Um, I use a lot of chola cactus with resins. Um, the grunt calls that we do, uh, which is the evolution series. Uh, there's quite a few different series off on that. They're handmade one at a time. <clears throat> I'll pour the acrylic. Uh, so you may have one with chola cactus in it with acrylic. Um, again, I'm doing some in mammoth ivory. I've done what we call the exotic series. It's basically outdoor items like moss, uh, paper wasp nest, uh, birch bark, ferns, pretty much anything that you see in the outdoors. I'm trying to gather it up, get it dried, and get it into a call so that you have something that kind of reminds you of the outdoors. Beech nuts, acorns, um, all kinds of neat stuff. And then you and came again, out with a new one. From then there's a with new that, series also that just came out. There is, yeah, one that we've been talking about. That's the Prospector series. Um, again, wanted to step it up a little bit more. It's We're using the Illuminite resin. Uh, in clear, and then I'm putting real 24 karat gold leaf, real silver leaf, real copper leaf, and shredded hundred dollar bills from the U.S. men. <laughs> yeah, real hundred dollar bills. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool, man. You can really see uh, these are hundred dollar bills that were kind of used up, and uh, the mint will grind them up, and you can buy them from the mint. Uh, so I, because I couldn't afford to do it myself. So, but uh, yeah, I would bet a call has probably four or five hundred dollar bills ground up total when it, when I get it all mixed up. I think it's so, so badass. It, when you see those calls, you're like, wow, I can't believe it. There's actually $100 bills. And I couldn't believe it when you actually told me that there was real 24-karat gold in it and real copper flake and everything else like that, silver too. Yeah, yeah, they're really unique. Again, those are, I build them all from scratch. I do the tone panel and the, the call itself. Um, it comes with a, you know, a metal band that's been engraved. Uh, with the Norista logo, so that again, once you get it, it's fully adjustable from a dough bleat or maybe a swamp buck. If there's any issues with it, you can call me anytime. I'll walk you through it. Or if there's big issues, you ship it back. I'll pay you to return and ship it. I'll fix it and ship it back to you. I just, I every time you turn around, Mark's got something else coming out of his sleeve. I mean, it's just nonstop with him. Would I mean, one time he sent me. Uh, well, recently, um, a stack of – or not, well, he sent me a picture of a stack of mammoth ivory, and I'm like, Mark, what are you going to do with that? He's turning them into claws, pens, um, earrings, you name it. He's making it out of them. I just, it's just mind-blowing to me. Yeah, it is. It's a lot of fun when I have a break between building custom knives and game calls. <clears throat> when I get caught up, I can kind of go free in the shop. And, yeah, I did some jewelry the other day, and I did a bunch of custom pens and some wine bottle stoppers and – it's fun when I can just break free and do what I want to do and, and create something quickly. Hold on. You make custom knives? Yep. Where where can they find those? That would be under M-A-B, custom knives, as in Mab, Mark A. Buzzle, customknives.com. And they're, they're high-end art knives, um, but they are made to be used, and they're the same thing, lifetime warranty. And uh, I use exotic materials on my knives as well. And right now you're trying to get into a special magazine, right? Yes, I'm trying to get into Bleed Magazine with the last knife that I just built. I'm pretty sure I should be able to uh, get it inside the magazine. <clears throat> it was a kukri a knife, all hand done, hand file worked on the top of the blade and the handle with uh, ivory handles, and uh, totally nice. So that should be shipped out to a new home relatively soon, and then hopefully uh, we can get it in Blade Magazine. 
That would be awesome, man. I'd love to see your knife in there because I've had the chance to be able to see all of your custom knives, and they are definitely worth every single penny. I just It's mind-blowing what you actually make. I mean, from kitchen knives to little tiny dagger knives to you have everything under the sun. Yeah, no, it is. It's a lot of fun. So, so before we get too crazy and everything, let's let's get to know Mark Buzzle. I mean, everybody knows you're the man behind the calls, but like, what 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 do you do on your day to day? Like, what's your day to day? My day to day is my real job is I own Knopf Gut Appliance Group, which is a business that does warranty work for Lowe's and Depot, by the big box stores, um, on any major household appliance, washer, dryer, refrigerators, all that stuff. So that's what I do during the day. And then when I get home and finish up having supper and all that good stuff, we head out here to the shop at about 7.30. And this is where I stay all night. And this is where I produce the calls or the custom knives or uh, whatever I want to make in the shop. So, I mean, I know this, but and then all the guys here do too, but that's all you do, man, is just work, 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 work. Like, you just live yeah. to work. <laughs> well, it's not yeah, work. I do. I, you know, a lot of people kind of can't believe some of the, the hours I keep because I'll stay out here in the shop till usually eleven thirty to midnight uh, every night, and, uh, and and work on doing calls or not or whatever I have to be working on at that time. You know, it's not work if you love it, though, right? If you're out there that, grinding away and exactly right. it, it is it is a love of labor, and, and I do love it because if I actually charged what you know an hourly rate for like some of my custom calls, they they really wouldn't be affordable for the average person. And I like to keep you know my really high end calls. Under eighty dollars, um, and some of them take three hours to make. So, you, know, you if you were going to charge you know forty or fifty dollars an hour for something, you just couldn't do it. Um, so I basically do it under the labor of love because I really enjoy doing it, and uh, I enjoy being out here in the shop. So it's it's kind of a plus where I get a little bit of something out of doing it to help pay for the shop materials and stuff, and I get to see my product grow out into the field and actually be part of the hunt with somebody. That's an amazing way to look at it, man. There's not many people out there doing what you're doing and just making that reflective image of what you're putting yourself out there. Like, you're that serious of the game call. I mean, to a hunter, game calls are pretty pretty sacred and special. Like, you have certain calls that you will not go out in the woods unless you have them. I mean, I know exactly. there's certain things, and, you know, if you don't stand by that and love that, I mean, it's, you know, you're, you're definitely missing something there. And, and I think a lot of people miss the passion that you have. And that's a beautiful thing. I mean, we really appreciate what you bring out for us. So thank you. Yeah, you're more than welcome. And it's so much fun to watch you guys use them and, you know, and, and other people, like I said, especially when I just get an email from somebody that I don't know them by name or anything. I just have to see the email and then I see that call. And, of course, I can remember every call because I've, I've touched it. And I'll see that, you know, they've shot some ducks or they've shot a coyote or a deer or a moose. And it's, and it's just so cool to see. And, and that's the thing that uh, your calls aren't just beautiful. They work. So yeah. I was yep. fortunate this year. I've got one of your original Blood Series pot calls. May We're not confirming, but possibly the first one that went out. Yeah. As well as one of your Oak Ridge box calls. And I ran them all turkey season last year and we put two birds in the freezer with them i mean they work that's it's awesome. not just a work of art the sound's incredible yeah and that's just it like you said it is artwork and i try to kind of use the term that it's kind of jewelry for the hunter 
but it, but it does work. You know, you can actually take it on the field and we do push the envelope on what you can do. Um, you know, it, I'm right on the edge of that, but that's the fun part is when somebody gets one of these calls for the first time in their hands, they can tell how much work went into it and they know nobody else is going to have anything close to it. Oh, absolutely. And and none of these calls are the same. Like I have a bunch of different calls from you and none of them are the same. Like I have a thin blood series. I have a regular blood series <laughs> and they've all killed yeah, birds. All... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. And that's, that's very true. Every one of them being handmade, they're all different. Depending what's in them. You know what I'm saying? Like I have what? Three different grunt calls. One ha- one's a blood series. One's a Evo series. And they all have different stuff. I mean, one is prickly pear. One's regular, what the regular cactus. Cholica. You have the chola cactus. So I mean, nothing is Cholica. you're never going to get. And you Easterners, it's choya. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah we, yes, we, yes. Chola, but it is choya. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just got to bust your chops a little bit. <laughs> is the route is the south gonna rise again <laughs> oh jesus <laughs> oh, no 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 <laughs> now growing up in arizona around the choyas oh uh, that's right you you learn to hate them oh yeah. i bet you do yeah, i don't see anything yeah, about, about them was, you know it's a piece of wood that when i get it in it's i gotta clean it and so forth but it looked brittle until you try to freaking cut it, I mean that stuff is just like desert ironwood. It is extremely rugged. Exactly. So I mean, you still watch the natives out there. I mean, they'll they'll still to this day they'll build their huts out of it because it's it's a rib bone. Literally, you can't really break the stuff. No, and like I so said, when you look at it right full of holes, you're like, man, that stuff's gonna be brittle. But it, it truly is not. It is, it is some of the strongest stuff, and the bandsaw absolutely despises it. So, so what other, what, I, no, I just didn't know if anyone else was going to talk. So I gave it a second, but <laughs> I think we were all just laughing at that point. It's, it's just tough when you have a lot of guys on, so you never know if anyone's got anything to say, but, uh, no, the, um, what, what's some of the other things that you've, you've put into calls because you've put just about anything into calls. I know some of the, the Turkey pot calls, I mean, you've put, Feathers and you can put turkey anything. Yeah, we did turkey feathers in one. We called that the uh, the windstalker, and then of course we've got the, the prickly pear cactus that we've used, uh, the choya cactus that we've used. Um, it, it is pretty much limitless to what I can put in a turkey pot call in the in the resin. Long, again, we're using it's uh, just under a quarter inch thick, so whatever I'm using has to be able to stay inside that realm so that you can still see it. Um, and as far as the game calls, the grunt calls and stuff, like I mentioned with the exotic theory, it's pretty much anything I can get my hands on that I can draw. Um, I'll throw it into a call and turn it. That's so that's pretty much like I've got a paper wash net hanging up in the air uh, that's going to be torn apart and put into a call. And, and awesome. for this turkey season, do you have any new pot calls coming out? I do. That's one that we were talking about that's going to be made out of uh, – box elderberry that is double and triple dyed the wood is awful is uh, stabilized as well so that if you get it wet or whatever it's not going to warp and bend and change the sound um i will be making the striker handles out of the same colored woods um it's going to be a, a little pricey just because the wood itself um cost me like 26 dollars a chunk just for the wood so but it's going to be one of a kind i haven't seen anybody doing it yet and uh 
They're very, very unique models. Have Have you put one together yet, or no? I've got one turned out, and all I'm going to do is put the top on it in a glass and get it get it tuned, and uh, then spin the uh, handle for the striker, and that'll be ready to post and show everybody what's coming back. Um, so that'll be the next thing on the plate is starting to turn those out because I'll only have a couple months to get them ready before turkey season's here already. Yeah, I mean it's almost here. I mean Alabama's about to open, um, Georgia's about to open. I think towards the end of this month, uh, March. So it's yep. it's not going to be long now. Um, and yep. I mean, what, two weeks and it's going to be the first week of March. So we're 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 turning the the page here to be almost back into turkey season. Um, to I cannot wait. I mean, I'm just ready to knock down some gobblers. But the um, with with that new the new series. Uh, what what kind of soundboard are you going to have in it, or what are the options? Uh, is it going to be slate glass? Yeah, I think we're going to probably stay with slate, um, yep. more than likely. I may try some blasted crystal. Uh, with it being a wood call, I can get away with a little bit more. The acrylic models are really picky. Um, if I try to do special things for people, sometimes we don't get the sound that we want. So I'll probably stick with slate or blasted glass, and soundboards are going to be either glass or wood. And, and obviously, they, they have to have a soundboard, right, because they're not a thin series? Uh, not always. It depends on how I turn it. Um, I'll probably be messing around with that a little bit and creating a recipe for it. Some of them you can get away without a soundboard, uh, depending on how tall the call is and uh, and how many holes are in the bottom of the call as well. So we may we may kind of mess around with that a little bit and see what we can come up with. Because awesome. and and that's all about the vibration and so on and so forth. It, it truly is. Yeah, the, the, it's amazing. The fifty pot calls are. They look pretty easy to make, and, and they really are. And then when it comes to the sound, that's the hard part. Everything has to be perfect. Everything has to glue down perfect. Uh, the size has to be right. The amount of holes in the bottom. And then, of course, the, the standoff in the bottom for the soundboard has to be the right size and height. There's, there's a lot going on. And, it, and it, it makes you go back to the drawing board a million and one times. You do it, and then you have to do it again and do it again just to get that proper sound out of it. Yeah, and I do, I do. I literally have a recipe book of what sounds good together because it's not just the call itself. It's the woods as well. The woods will change the sound. Where if you're using Purple Hot, that'll make one sound compared to an oak pot, which sounds different than a Coca-Cola cup pot. And it, I have to keep track of all of that so that I don't make the mistake and make it again uh, with that same recipe. So um, as I build them, I'll test them all out. And different strikers make different sounds on the turkey pot. So... It, it is. It's a, it's a lot of work to get the sound you want. And and are you going to do um the uh the box calls again and the like the little mother cluckers yep. and? Yeah, I've got a whole stack. Yeah, you're of talking those. Something nice. What was that, Steve? Yeah, I, I, I you said little mother cluckers and got me all excited. Something about those are just incredible. Yeah, yeah, they're such a great little backup to have because they make a ton of noise for the size that they are, and uh, they fit right in your shirt pocket. So um, that that's gonna be kind of a cool weapon to have on on hand for you know a different sound. I mean, it's a great run and gun tool, especially just to have it. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to have a much, you know, just your seat, your weapon, a decoy, and a little mother clucker. Yep, yeah, exactly, and then you're ready to rock and roll. You can pull it out of your shirt pocket and run it with one hand if you want to. 
I you know, love. I I was taking it and putting it right on my lap, and then just bouncing it right there, and and was killing birds over it. Yeah, no, they're pretty. They're pretty cool little items. So I've got probably, I'm guessing, forty bar skulls cut and stacked and ready to uh, sand and get put back together and, and, get, and finish on them. So we should have a good line of bar skulls to go in that little mother clockers as well. That's awesome. So, so you're. So it sounds like you're. You're ready for turkey season. I, I am. I'm. I'm pretty darn close. It's sending uh, out the new turkey pot is going to take some time. Um, as far as the box balls, I've been picking away at those a little at a time, so those are almost ready. Um, but yeah, like I said, being a one man show, that's the hard part. Is uh, there's just one of me, <laughs> so it takes you know too much time, and that's why I spend so much time out here in the shop to uh, stay caught up on everything. And then I have my custom orders and custom knives and building. So yeah, it does it does slow me down a little. And if you haven't already, let's just say, sorry, go ahead, Trevor. No, 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 please. I, I was just going to say, so needless to say, uh, you're busy. Yes, yeah, very much so. <laughs> but, I, but I do enjoy it. That's why I like it you know, in the shop and, and to do that. But, you know, as, if I'm doing like a, a custom grunt calls, I get the orders in. I can usually turn three of them in an evening. I can get three completely done uh, out of a custom order. So that kind of gives you an idea on a custom grunt call, how long it takes. Um and then with the turkey box calls, probably maybe three or four a night by the time I'm done with them, and the pot calls the same. So when you see, you know, 20 or 30 of them on the website, that kind of gives you an idea how long it takes to do that. It's it's no right. joke, because the last time uh, I went up there last year, about this time, and I, I made my own striker, um, and I'll tell you what, that that's a process in itself. That's no joke. Yeah. And it, Take some time. Pretty much about an hour and a half, two hours just to do a striker head, you know, and that you know gives you an idea how how much work goes into it. Again, I'm a lot faster, obviously, because I, I do it you know all the time. But you know, it gives you a very good perspective of how much work goes into doing it to get it to look right. And if you mess up, like you guys did, you got to start over. Yeah, it's crazy, and there's it's not it's not easy. It's not an easy task, and and we were constantly like. Mark, we need this. Mark, I need that. Mark, I need this. Mark, I need that. And yep. then it's like, well, fuck. He's just trying to outfit me for turkey season. <laughs> Never mind everybody yeah. else. Exactly. <laughs> That's why when you come up with you know four or five items for everybody and get everything done, and yeah, it can it can take some time to uh, to get everything replenished. And That's when I do a big trade show and and sell out of a bunch of stuff. It's a lot of fun because I know my stuff's getting out there, but at the same point, I shake my head thinking, holy, I've got a lot of hours to spend in this event. Especially when you're killing your entire inventory just just at one trade show. Yep, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, again, every call I hand to somebody is, you know, two to three hours to replace it, which that's fine. I mean, that's why I do it, and I love to do it. Um, like I said, at a trade show, you sell, you know, 50 or 60 calls real quick. <laughs> you know automatically you're going to be spending some time in the shop. So I guess is what what's the craziest thing that you've ever had to make for a custom call? Um, I mean, I did that one a while back um, for a buddy that was uh, Baltic Amber, real Baltic Amber, go call. So that was pretty unique. And then again, I've got the Mammoth Ivory ones, which are again going to be pretty rare because um, there's just not a lot of people working with Willie Mammoth Ivory. 
I really dig them, man. Like they, did you have a grunt call with the mammoth ivory on the website, or did it not um, make it there? Don't, or don't. it's it's in my collection. I know that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering. I was wondering why it didn't show up on the website. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like the first prototypes and kind of fall in love with them when I first see them. The mammoth ivory right now, I'm waiting for a special drill bit. Uh, working with some companies, trying to get them. It's very unfortunate being a small company trying to deal with a big company. <laughs> I need a special drill bit made for those. And these big companies are telling me, oh, you don't want 500 bit, so we're not going to work with you. You know, without even giving me a price. You know, well, give me a price for the bit. Maybe it's $1,000 for the bit. I only want one, but they won't even do that. So I'm still working with them. I need a special step, step bit to uh, work with the ivory. Because ivory and acrylic, when you're drilling it, it'll walk the bit. So it, it becomes a big issue. You can ruin a lot of the uh, the blanks. Yeah, and you don't want to do that because then you got to start all over again. Exactly, and it's 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 really annoying. You know, like you, what happens is as you're drilling, the acrylic is so much softer than the ivory. It wants to walk a bit away from the ivory chunks into the acrylic. So, um, like I said, if I can just get these companies to work with me, I can get this bit and get it taken care of so that I don't do it by hand. It, so- it sounds like you got bad broadhead deflection problems. But it's annoying like when you spend the time to pour the acrylic and get everything done and you start drilling it and then it walks. The, the thing's completely wasted unless you want to make a bottle stopper out of it or something. It sounds like you need a Zeus. Um, I, Zeus I, make tools? I, you know, I, haven't tr- I haven't tried the Zeus yet. Of course, I haven't killed anything with my bow either, so I don't know. <laughs> Well, you're going to plan on still coming down to deer camp this year again. I, I believe so, yeah. We have to. Yeah. Yep. No, I think that's going to be an animal ritual, you know, where I, you know, I go up and go to the easy tree stands and get back to camp first. <laughs> Camp's always a good time. And 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 now and now we'll have uh Steven come up from Virginia and hunt with us and we'll have the ghost hunter yep. there. We'll have a good old time, man. I mean, I don't know. It's I guess does everybody have a deer camp where it just you just go to the deer camp just to spend with the guys because it's not really about killing? Because <laughs> that's no, like a normal it, thing. It, it's more about the get together. Oh yeah, I mean, I have one hunt in particular. I used to go to Alabama every year with my father and my uncle for eighteen years, and we would only see does, and it would be only a couple does, and we would take them down, but we weren't going to shoot big deer like taking it serious. We were just kicking the shit midday you know what'd you see in the morning you know just shoot you know who can shoot what who can practice we're, we're fucking throwing arrows in the backyard at 50 yards and you know bullshitting and busting balls i mean i think you need that camaraderie once in a while and stop taking shit so fucking serious all the time right and remember that oh, you know that percent of the hunt man right like this the, yeah, the hunt, the brotherhood. i've been on for a while so i i don't i don't have to take it serious anymore um, I killed a pile of big deer, and I, I would rather have the camaraderie. And yeah, I'll go out and try to get one, but I'm not going to get up at you know three in the morning every single day and drive myself into the ground. I, I just won't because I don't have to. Right? Why don't you? Because a lot of people probably don't know Mark. Why don't you tell the big the big story of the first day you were down here hunting? Yeah, I think you set me up for that <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll tell it. I'll tell it quick. I went up, sent a tweet for the missing. 
<laughs> I like that version. All right, that's good. All right, good. Well, I'll, I'll tell it. I'll do as brief as I can. <clears throat> Again, being the old man, I'm 54 years old. I'm not as young as you pops. And when I get to Connecticut for the first time, I didn't realize how damn hilly that area was. I mean, it, it's brutal. It, it's straight up and down. And I and I was a smoker then. I had quit, so that's a good thing. But anyways, I'm like, I don't want to go up and down those mountains. So you sent me into a nice little spot that was like 200 yards from the truck. <laughs> So I hiked my way in, and I got up in my little tree stand and sat there, and I forgot my harness in the truck, like a dummy, which I don't normally do, but I was excited to get in there. So I got in that little stand, and I put the rail down and put my bow up on the hanger, and I wasn't there more than maybe a half hour or 45 minutes. And I just happened to look to my left, and there was a doe standing pretty much right underneath the tree. So I grabbed my bow, and the arrow was already knocked. I put my release on, and got a little nervous because, again, I haven't killed anything with my bow yet. So I drew back on her, and I waited for her to move to give me a decent shot, and she really wouldn't. She was standing just kind of directly away from me, which is not a very good shot. And she kept looking over her shoulder, so I decided I need to see what she's looking at. Maybe there's another doe coming. And when I peeked around this big tree, I was sitting in, there was a massive buck, and he was only 25, 30 yards away behind me. So that got me a little more nervous, but I stayed drawn on her for maybe two or three minutes, and I decided that I needed to decompress. So I did. I, I released the pressure on the arrow and decompressed. And I kept peeking behind the tree, knowing that I, you know, I'm taking a chance of getting busted. But this deer was really big. I'm guessing 160 class, you know, big antlers, big and mature buck. And she finally, I was looking down, and I watched her walk off. I'm like, oh, thank God. And she had gone pee right, right there near the tree. And I watched her walk off, and as I looked back to see what he was, he was literally standing maybe six to eight feet from the bottom of my tree, directly down below me. I drew back again, but this time, the way he was standing, I had a perfect shot right down in, <clears throat> off in the top of his front shoulder. So I put the pressure on the release, and I said to myself, you're dead, and I pulled the trigger, and the air just dropped to the bottom. And he just kind of looked around like what had happened. So I grabbed my bow to grab another arrow and the string was off and it was discombobulated and the deer just walked off. So, yeah, that's how I missed Dang, that deer. Man. I wish yeah, I, and like, I wish it, it, it's, uh, I wish I just filmed Ghost Hunter's face because you, I think you, he just started crying. I feel so fucking bad. I don't bad think he's ever you, heard the like, story. I've never heard that story before and I am just my jaw is still on the ground. That's fucking sorry. I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> it was. It, it, it's tough, but at the same point, it was funny. And we didn't know what happened because I, I texted Trevor and I said, Well, I'm no good. I got to get out of the woods. I blew my bow apart because, again, being a new bow hunter, he took me back. He says, You know, you can't put that back together yourself. You got to find a bow shop. I'm like, Well, that sucks. <laughs> I mean, here it is on, I think it was a Thursday night or Friday, whatever it was. And he's like, yeah. You got to go. So he came and picked me up. And inspected the bow and said, holy shit, I have no idea what you did. Let's go. We got it to the bow shop. The guy got it all put back together, and he came out with my bow, and he's like, uh, I see what you did. I'm like, what do you mean? He said, you had the rail down around you, didn't you? I'm like, yep. And he said, uh, you had your cam sitting right on top of that steel rail. When you were looking straight down, you were pushing on that bottom cam on that safety rail. So the top cam spun and the bottom one didn't. And, and untied all the bow. in the trunk. That's a heartbreaker. Especially on that yeah. that deer. The old chocolate yeah, boy. Yeah, because other people have seen him. 
you know, and I could describe them right to a T with those dark, dark horns. They lay down flat. And they're very, very wide. I mean, I, you literally could spit in these horns. Was, and they're just beautiful deer. Yeah. That's the shed that you have in your oh, kitchen? Oh, no, 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 okay. no, 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 no. That's a different, that's a different deer, but no, um, it's from the mountain, but yeah, they call him Chocolate Boy. That's, uh. That deer's been seen a couple of times, and he's like Mark. Mark's not lying; he's in the 160 realm. Um, he's an absolute giant. So, he, yeah, he's big. You know, he's a big, he's a big boy for like said, you know, eight pointer. You know, he's not like a 12 pointer. No. He's just massive, you know, size wise. Yeah, he's. And a, I, I bet he dresses in the 180 to 195 dressed. Yeah, he's a he's a big boy. Yes, well, he he's, is. He's yeah. no he's no main big boy, but he's a big boy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, but it, it was beautiful to see it again. I, you know, I, again, I get to watch the doe run off and watch him walk off. I try to get a picture of him on my phone because I'm like, well, can't shoot at him. But nothing ever fell into place after that. And then I did see other deer, but never get a decent shot. So yeah, it was always you, fun down. There. Me and you got to see a deer in, in the blind. He stayed out around the 70, 70 yard range, sixty yard range. Ethan yeah, ended up killing a deer. Uh, yeah. I killed a deer. Ryan killed it. Yep. So, deer, deer we get killed in camp. Got another deer. What's that? I said we went to Vinny's and, and got a deer down there. Yeah, just I guess I guess I guess the goal now is is to get Mark a deer. Yeah, I'm, pretty much. I, I would have had my chance at Vinny's, but Ethan Ethan got me that time. I always tease him about it because <laughs> Vinny said, "I'm going to put you guys in these stands." going to be a bunch of deer coming in do not get excited and shoot the first one wait till they all pile in here and then take your time and shoot a deer so of course i text ethan because i'm like oh my god look at all the deer they're walking right towards him i'm like there's a pile of deer headed your way and he's like i know i already shot one <laughs> i'm like figures <laughs> i want this doe that he just shot stumble up the hill and flip upside down and start kicking to the sky with feet kicking and kicking and all the other deer like well i guess we should leave so they all left but i didn't get to shoot one as, and, and a lot of people probably don't know who Ethan is, but Ethan Ethan works for Mark, and Ethan is a savage. He is a savage, savage, ravage killer. Um, yeah, he's, he's he's all business when you put him in the season. He doesn't mind putting his time, and he's still young. You know, he's only 29, 30 years old. Uh, he works for me in the in the appliance business, and uh, he's basically going to become owner here at some point in time. He also helps me. Uh, he and his wife both help me in the shop with the custom game calls big time between making the pours. Liz will do the colors and, and get stuff done. Ethan runs the CNC machine where I have to cut a groove uh, in some of these calls. So, like you said, he's a savage this year. I think he got he got four with his bow out of a couple of different areas. And one of the dough was like 100, and, I think it was 150 pound dough or something like that. It was massive. I had to go help him drag it out. He's, he's so, he, but, but not, he, not he, only whitetails. I mean, he killed he killed a bobcat this year, predator hunting, and he's always knocking them down, man. It's 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 great it's great to see it, and I love when he sends me pictures and just he's his his success is huge constantly. I mean, um, he is he's he is a savage. He puts his time and he just he's constantly like a lot of times he'd be like, "You going out hunting? Nah." And then he'll send me a picture of a freaking dead bobcat or something. I'm like, "What?" He goes, "Well, I decided to go." I'm like, "I thought you said you weren't going," you know. <laughs> I went gone. He goes, man, I went. So he, he's, he is. He's always in the woods hunting uh, or fishing or doing something. So it's good to see him that he likes outdoors that much. And he has no problem going by himself. He, he's comfortable with himself. He takes it off and 
just like with that big doe, I didn't know he was hunting tonight. He called and said, I just smacked a big one. So He's got that drive. He does. He has yeah. the drive. He's got that drive. He's what he's what he's what drives Mark back into the woods constantly. He keeps Mark young, so <laughs> literally. <laughs> he does. I kind of kind of give him a hard time, like, man, I wish you'd find somebody your own age. I mean, I've already done all this crap, you know, getting up at two in the morning to go duck hunting and all that stuff, but I still do it with him because I enjoy it so much, but not as I don't have the fever like I used to when I was busy. You know, because obviously been there, done that. Um I still love doing it. I love deer hunting. I get up bright early for that. But I don't tromp the woods like I used to so that I got to drag a deer six miles. You know, I'll stay on the edges and and, and hunt that way. Uh, but, no, he, he definitely he has a lot more drive than I do when it comes to uh, getting out there and, and hunting every single predator or anything that's got a season on it in Maine, he's on it. I guess, I guess now we're talking about drive and so on and so forth. I mean, Mark, what drives you to be outdoors or drives you to make calls or, you know, drives you to be in the outdoor industry? Now, for me, it, it really started when I was younger. My brothers were four and five years older than me, so they really didn't want to hang with me. I mean, if, if I'm eight, you know, they're not going to want to take me out when they're trying to chase girls around. We grew up in a neighborhood where we had our game preserve behind us. And, of course, every kid had a red rider BB gun or a little power line pump BB gun. So I went out there and became a little slayer. And uh, pretty much, you know, shot at everything that was moving. And then I realized I was pretty good at it. And anytime you find something that you're really good at, you kind of put more time into it. And I just started to enjoy the outdoors. Um, it's where you can recharge your batteries. I don't even need to harvest anything or kill anything. I just like to be there and learn more about the outdoors. It stayed with me for life. And I became very good at hunting and fishing. And um, and then, again, as I get older, I wanted to pursue making my own calls. Um it just seemed to be the, the right thing to do. Um, it started when I bought a bad duck call from a big box store, wasted my money on it. That's what got me into the industry of building my own calls because if they can't do it right, I can. So, again, spending all that time in the woods, growing up doing it, and, again, hanging out with the guys like yourself and Ethan and those guys that still do it, it, it definitely keeps me young um, and it keeps me on my toes. I still enjoy doing it. and. Even like down in Connecticut, getting up early, knowing eh, I may or may not see a deer. It's the, it's the thrill of knowing that you may or may not be one, and you get to get up there and watch the sunrise, watch the red squirrels, you know, watch, you know, watch the big gray squirrels, rabbits, whatever. It's just all about just getting in the woods and just enjoying that time because it, you know, our time here on Earth is pretty short, so you better you better make fun of you know of every minute you have. Yeah, you have to. And if why not enjoy it in the outdoors? It's it's no better place to do it than than out there. So so Mark, what 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 holds for nor'easter game calls in the future? What's that? Anything anything new to come for nor'easter game calls? No, not really. I mean, stay on my game. I'm more than anything else. You know, again, uh, stick with you guys, and obviously. Uh, get you guys on the pro staff and get you the new calls that are coming out again between the turkey calls and obviously these, you know, mammoth ivory um, grunt calls that are going to be coming out after deer season. And that's about it. Everything that's on the website, you know, just step it up a little bit. That's about it. I know you always have something going on, something new always happening at Nor'easter. So it's not, it's not like, 
it's not like anybody else who always has something new that's coming out. Mark always has something new coming out, whether it's a new keychain, whether it's a pair of earrings, whether it's a wine stop, no matter what it is, Mark is always making something. And then some, some people like Caddy Cowboy go above and beyond and have you make all kinds of crazy stuff because Mark is just yeah, that good with his stuff. hands. So, yeah, yeah, no, I do. Like I said, I enjoy being a craftsman. Um, it's a matter of, like I said, there's always something come out of the shop. Like I said, the alcohol last night, there's a piece left over. I decided to make a wine bottle shop. So it's mammoth ivory with the resin. Um, again, jewelry. I just can't see wasting a small piece of ivory. You can make something pretty cool out of it. So you can make some earrings or a necklace. Um, yeah, or like I said, a keychain. Um, any of the custom pens. It's pretty neat stuff to get into to do and, and end up on the website. So the Nor'easter is just not just called. Like you said, it's everything. If I can make it, I can put it up there and, and, and put it on the website. That's the fun of it. I know that the ghost hunter, he, he needs some new chef knives. So Yeah, man. <laughs> I see I see you working with some of those blades. And uh, I, I can't wait to finally meet you at deer camp. And we can kind of go through what's going on in my mind and your mind and create the, like, the most yep. gangster culinary set. <laughs> Of fucking just, just wreaking havoc on I'll just tell you meats. What, I'll, I'll bring you down my first chef knife that I've ever made. It's, it's pretty rugged, but it's, it's lethal. <laughs> hey, I, I so, like to see where it all started from. Like, I, I like that. I was in a hurry because we're having this big cookout. And just, I actually bolted the handles on with like, I'm, I'm saying like an octagon net and a screw. Gotta <laughs> <Because laughs> make it happen. Yeah, I mean, I did, I did it nicely, but it's just funny when you look at it, but I can't let, I very rarely let anybody use it other than myself because it is lethal. Even though it's thick steel, the grind that I put on it, and um, it, it truly is, it, it'll cut human hair in half. It's just insane. Right. And it's made out of calvin steel, which is you know bad for a chef knife because they stain. Right. But uh, I'll bring I'll show you where it all started and let you play with it. And uh like I said, I love working with, with Jeff and I's and culinary stuff. I just did one for a guy um, in California. It's made out of uh, DMS steel, which is a Damascus stainless steel. And th- that was a lot of fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, I'm really looking forward to getting to pick your brain a little bit, too, because I'm starting to hear about, you know, you're doing this call and this call. So how many unfinished projects do you have in your garage or your shop right now? Like. Like, do you would you say you have like a lot of like unfinished things, or do you Not focus? Really. I mean, I can stay focused pretty good. I I do run in circles a lot, but usually when I start something, I try to finish it. Nice. But I will say yes when it comes to like the box calls. There's probably twenty of them that are in the mid stage. Uh, the pot calls is going to be thirty of those same thing. They're, they're dug out, but they're not finished. Um, yeah, I I'll do a lot of stuff when I get up to that ready to be finished stage and that's the stage that takes a lot of time right um so i'll, I'll get stuff ready uh, but like the other night when i made that display for my mammoth ivory task and stuff i've been wanting to do that for a while so I'm like, yeah, i got time I'll, I'll build it um but as far as game calls themselves just the turkey pot calls and box calls are the only ones that i have a lot on hold everything else is pretty much done that's awesome that's awesome. You know, it's nice to stay organized, too, and not be all over the place because I, I work on 13 different things at work sometimes, and I forget what the fuck I'm doing. And uh, it, it's tough, especially when you're working with food and doing high-class you know, parties for uh, for big, high-end clients. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. But, um, you know, I, I think you have a system of passion and love over there and, and you know, just to hear your, 
you know, your story and what your drive is and what you do. And, you know, we appreciate you out in that fucking shop all the time. Really. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, you know, you're I'm really anxious to get you guys to take a visit where you actually can you know, bring up your uh, cameras and do some recording. And we all sit down and kind of all build something together <clears throat> so that you can see what goes into the call to give you more perspective on why it makes the sound that it makes and why we do it this way and so forth. And, and, and spend some time and actually make your own piece that, you know, you have a piece of, you know, yourself that's made in the to take with you. I would love nothing more because I have a few sets of uh, elk ivories that I'm going to bring up. And uh, I have a couple ideas. I don't want to really talk about it just yet over the uh, show, so stay tuned. But I got some ideas. Um, Same thing if you have time where if you have more than a couple of days, we can get you into making your own chef knife. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm down to even to start something and I come back sold. and, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm come. going to Virginia this year. I'm going everywhere this year. We're gonna go up and see you up at. Oh, it's just this season, 2020, new decade, new, new system, making goals. So you're on my goal list. We were originally first talking in the beginning of the show what our goals are. My goal is to come see you and uh, yep. re- really, really feel where that sound comes from. Like I said, my shop's open to anybody, and, and anybody that ever gets one of my calls or anything, I tell them I'm available for hours a day, really. I mean, just reach out to me if you're having a hard time or you're not sure about something. I mean, that's why I'm here. I, I would never shout anybody. I'm slow on email. Texting is always the best way to get a hold of me. Um, my phone number is on the website, and if somebody texts me, I'm usually really fast about getting back that way. Uh, but emails, are, I am I'm usually a day or two behind on emails because I'm I, I just don't see it as fast as I do a tag. You guys that definitely sense. I get that. Yeah, I I totally get it, especially Mark. I mean, he's 55 years old and, you know, it's it's tough. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, I want to say 55 years young. He is 55 young, man. He really is. He keeps up with all of us in Deer Camp. Keeps us all online. He's like uh He's like a second father to us, so he always. You need advice, or you need the older man's advice. You ask Mark because he always keeps us all in line. Um, I, try to, keep, I try to keep you grounded. Yeah, it's it's nice to have that. You know, you can always bounce things off Mark. Mark's always good, good for a lot of ideas, a lot of a lot of life stuff, also because he's been there, done that. So it's very nice. Um, but I really hope that you know, we get to go up there sooner than later. Cause I, I really like being in the shop. It's so much fun. It's so cool to be in there. Mark's got a very big shop and, uh, just a lot of stuff in it and a lot of stuff going on. Uh, always making yeah, and interventing. Cave, What's that? That says half man cave, half shop. Yeah. I love it in there though. Cause it constantly, you know, it's always, it's, it's the meeting of the minds in there. There's always something badass coming out of there. Um, no matter yeah, what again, kind of call it is. Walk around and pick up and kind of come up with your own idea on what to build and what to make, you know? And uh, that's the fun part of being in the shop. And then a lot of times, that's how I come up with stuff. You know, I'll see a sponge, I'll be like, oh, cool. I'll put that sponge into a call. <laughs> you just, it, it, whatever you can come up with, it, it's just fun. I mean, and, and talking about putting stuff inside of a call, you also have something else that you just recently patented also. Yes, I did the 3D hunting memory. Um, which is basically using that aluminum like clear resin. And if you shoot, let's say you shoot a doe with a broadhead, a loose broadhead, obviously. <laughs> and uh, like I told you guys many times, please shoot one deer with that arrow, then use a different arrow. 
so that you don't have carbon fiber go through your hand. But anyways, if you shoot that doe, I mean, you're not going to have the doe head mounted and put it on the wall. So all I got to have from you is you send me that arrow or what's left of the arrow with the broadhead, and I'll actually mount it inside an acrylic block with the broadhead, a piece of the arrow, any, any of the surroundings, the moth that you were standing on. What if you just give me the idea of where you were, and I'll try to create that environment with your broadhead inside the acrylic, even sitting on deer hair or some bird back in there. It'll, it'll basically look just like the surroundings where you were standing when you shot that animal. And then I can engrave it with a laser as well on where you were, what it was, how much it weighed, all that stuff, and uh, get it all polished up and send it back to you so it'll sit on your desk. They're six and a half inches long by six and a half square, roughly. They're, they're, they're wicked badass, and it's not only something that you can only have to do hunting memories with, but you could do just about anything. If you have special events. Um... Yeah, so shotgun shell. I mean, I've got my turkey shotgun shell in there with my tag and a turkey feather and some number four shot. You know, I've got some brass from uh, a deer I shot with the 30-odd six and, you know, anything. And, again, like I said, fish and lure. Um, if you go somewhere and you, you pick up a rock off a beat that, you know, um, a buddy of mine went to Normandy and gave me the sand, the rock, and some little trinkets that he picked up there, put those in acrylic form. And again, it's a good That's way awesome. not to lose those little trinkets. At the same point, you can keep it as a keepsake on your desk or you know, give, give it to a parent or whoever you're with. Um, and these 3D memory blocks are really cool because, again, a broadhead at work is probably not a good idea on your desk. But if you do it in this block, we can do it very tasteful so that it's really nice. And I, I, I'm all about them. Honestly, I think they're the coolest things in the world. I, I, and they come out so clear. They're they're definitely awesome. They're badass. I actually have a video. I'll have to repost it so everybody can actually see it. Um, but yes, there's not that expensive. You know, it's no. like eighty five bucks to get get one done. And where nowadays for the hunter, if you want to even have a bow mounted just for the heck of it, it's your first doe with a bow. You're still looking at three or four hundred, five hundred dollars. You know, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's fine. Where you just give me the broadhead. Exactly. Give me the broadhead, a little deer hair off that deer, you know, and give me you know, an idea of what your surroundings were, and, and I will build it so that it looks pretty cool. And uh, then you can put it on the desk or put it on the shelf, whatever you want to do with it. What's 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 better than a bloody arrow? I mean, I have a stack of them downstairs. I might as well put them inside of a, of a 3D hunting memory. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't know, personally. No, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get that fixed. It's gonna change, Mark. It's gonna change. We're gonna yeah, get it set up, and Mark's gonna make his own. I'll tell you, it, it's gonna happen sooner or later. I figured it was gonna happen this year, but for some reason, it, it just did. I did put some time, in, not as much time as I needed to, um, but uh, I can't say that I didn't see animals. I just never had anything that was a good clean shot in the distance when I needed. But when it came to rifle season, different story. Yeah, it's not like you don't put them down. You you took a nice youth. Uh, you took. Yep, we did. I took a little buddy of mine with me, and uh, he's 13 years old, and he's always wanted me to take him. And his grandfather has always wanted that youth day. And this year, I built a blind, did everything set up, got permission in a field, which I've never hunted a field before. It's very unique. I always hunt swamps, but we had the little fella. We built a blind where we could keep him warm and get all set up on youth day. And yeah, he took a little button buck. It could have been 200 pounds or it was 74 pounds. It wouldn't have mattered to him. It was a monster and he had a blast. 
So it was a lot of fun to watch somebody get their first deer. And uh, I wish I was better with the camera uh, to uh, not just show him shooting the deer, but show his facial expressions after I said, you got it, you know. Um, it was a lot of fun for me to watch me bringing another hunter into the sport of being outdoors. Because after he got his deer, he went with me. Even though he couldn't shoot another deer, he still wanted to go with me in the blind and freeze and be cold and get up early. And uh, it was awesome. And I tagged out uh, on one of the days he wasn't with me. I got a nice little uh, seven-pointer. See, and, and that's yep. and that's what we were talking about in the beginning of the show. Uh, Mark, you weren't with us, but when we were talking about it of uh, Stephen, how he brings out uh, some veterans turkey hunting and how his reward is just it's 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 how rewarding it is to get somebody their first animal um, and how how important it is as sportsmen to bring those people into this into this industry and, and show them what it's really all about. And that's and that's what drives us constantly is is getting people yep. those animals and bringing them into this this sport. Yep. And again, at my age and how many animals I've killed, I would fib to you if I said my eyes didn't get watery because it's such an emotional thing. Uh, even if I do it on my own or with him, it's such an emotional event um, to be able to harvest something like that and, and to respect the game. But, yeah, I mean, it's very exciting to watch somebody at that age. All of a sudden, he is now hooked. It's done. He, he, he is 100% going to be a hunter now. And you That's created it's all about. Yeah, creating those memories are just 100%. I mean, Stephen, you you know a little bit more about it than we do, but I mean, you very rarely get that facial expression to see someone just light up like the fucking Rockefeller Christmas tree. Like they're just like, oh my god! Like you just, I just did something that you never thought they would do, and it's 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 magical. It really is. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's a that, uh, I, I'm hoping I can get you guys to come down and experience that. So, if all goes well, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. I, yeah, I said I'm, I'm really hoping to get down there. So I'll definitely be down in Connecticut for a deer camp, obviously, uh, which we're, we're learning more and more about all the time on uh, where these deer hide now. <clears throat> but up here, like I said, we, we'll have to bring you guys up this way because we've got some expanded archery zones that are pretty crazy uh, with with the amount of deer that are there. So. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Definitely getting something to finally, you know, hit the dirt with a with an animal. I know. I can't wait for the day that we come back to camp and Mark says I smoked one, just just so we can we can be part of it, man. Because that's that's going to be it. I mean, it's going to be three years in the making, four years in the making. So, um, it is. It's it's been a long time. I mean, I this is how it's all started. I mean, between me and Mark was I was able to be on Mark's pro staff. What fuck. Dude, what has it been? Five years now, Mark? Maybe. But I bet it has. Yeah. I bet it's been all of that um, through Instagram. When I had started off, we both had had Britneys, and uh, we were on a Britney page, I believe. And I added Mark, yep. and then he had a uh, he had a call company, and I was like, "Hey, man, you might you might you you need a call guy. You need a guy on your pro staff. I'll call for you." Um, so one thing ends up leading into another, and then we start talking about deer hunting, and I'm like. Mark, you got to come down here. There's so many fucking deer. You can shoot five. You got four of them. You can shoot them. You know, there's so many of them. You'll definitely shoot one. Come on down. Four years later, Mark has yet to shoot one in Connecticut while he's been here. <laughs> but I've seen deer. <laughs> but, but he put... 
he put you on a 150 your first day. Like, you're, you didn't even say it was the first hour. So, I mean, he did his job. Like, I mean, people pay a lot of money. Hey, 100% opportunity, right? Right, right. Yeah. Didn't say 100% kill, 100% opportunity. All day. That's correct. Yes, and I, and I agree. So, it, and it was. It was just so much fun to get down to. And again, you know, he invited myself and Ethan. And uh, so, you know, like they took the Slayer with me. And, uh, I mean, he got, he got it done down there. He got through that first time we went down. Yep. He shot a pie ball, actually, speaking of. Yes, or he did. Yep. A yep. Pie, ball pie ball spot. Yeah. Yep. That, yep. That was, and that was the other thing that I talked about being hard on me is when you, when you guys get into these expanded archery zones and these places that give you unlimited tag, as a growing up as a hunter, I'm not used to that. It was always go for the monster, go for, go for the bone. And it's been a, a tough transition for me to understand that when I get these expanded archery permits, the state is relying on me to go in there and kill everything. And that means don't let that little, that, that small doe walk, shoot it and get it out of there. And that's been a hard transition for me to understand, but it's our job. If we don't call the herd, they get sick, they starve. Uh, we have interbreeding going on. So it's been a, a good transition for me to explain to others that it has to be done. Um, I've, I've been able to pick up some more areas to hunt uh, this year in expanded archery by talking with some people that they're overpopulated with deer and they just didn't understand why. And uh, so they're going to let us go in there and actually clean some of them up. And and was that Mark? Because when you were growing up, you were only given one tag. And one then, tag. That's it. And th- so yeah. you want to shoot the biggest deer to? For, I mean, obviously Maine is one of those hunting states where you you kill an animal to, for the family. I mean, that's that's yeah. what it is. And so you want to try and take the biggest buck that you possibly can or the biggest whitetail that you possibly can because you're going to try and feed your family for the longest period of time. Exactly. And, that, and that's what I always did in the 80s when I was out on my own. Um, I bought this place in 1987, and I always went out and harvested an animal for myself. And then as time went by, and uh, I got married, and uh, my wife had a, had a kid. <clears throat> and uh, I think he was four and a half when I met him, so he's my stepson. And I got him into hunting and so forth. And then I found out his teacher, and he was in fourth grade. And it's very unusual to find a teacher that's very conservative, pro-gun, pro-hunting, and just kind of took a liking to him. And Jake and I, my, my boy and I, started hunting for his family because he had seven kids. Wow. So when I went out hunting for him, I wanted to make sure I shot the biggest possible deer I could because when you're feeding seven people plus two adults, that deer is only going to last a couple of weeks. So I was very blessed to put my time in and shoot some very large deer. I got four over 200 pounds when I was hunting for them. And the rest of them all ranged 175 to 190. Wow. And I was blessed to get almost every single year for them. And, and So that was the little fella that I took out this year. He is from that family. He wants to provide for the family still. And he's the youngest. He's the 13-year-old. And there's only, I think, four or five of them home now. But uh, it's kind of neat to watch them grow on that aspect that he wants to provide now. That's amazing. And I was going to ask that. Was he one of the kids from yes. the family? He's the youngest boy. And the, one of the daughters has a bull license. She lives in Pennsylvania, and she hunts deer. And she got two deer this year. Um, and one of the older boys, same thing. He's got uh, archery and firearms license, and he got a deer. So the whole family has slowly become hunters by watching me do it and me say, 
guys, we've got to get you a ton of safety clothes and get out there and provide. And so they, they have. And look at the little fella was able to do it this year. So that's, that's fantastic. And he's so excited that that deal that he got, the meat went home with him. And he was able to provide for the family at 13 years old. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? And, and now, now he's going to continue to do it. I mean, he's probably, he's probably knocking on the door, probably wanting to go turkey hunting too, huh, Mark? Oh, he'll definitely, yeah, he's already asked about that. He, I'm definitely taking him turkey hunting and I'll take him youth duck hunting and, and anything that he wants to do, I'm right there for him. And he's been in the shop. He's actually worked on the woodlades with me and turned out calls and, um, and made pens and made Christmas gifts for his family. Um, so now he's a, he's a, a crafty little fella as well. Great fast learner. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun to watch this, this kid blossom into a full, full blown hunter. I love it, man. I love to hear the stories of the young ones coming into the world. I mean, it kind of reminds me of myself and maybe of you, Mark or ghost hunter or Steven, you know, as kids, when I remember doing all those things and surrounding yourself around the outdoors and hunting and, and just, just that drive to be part of it, no matter what it is, and especially at a young age. Oh, exactly. Is it, it is the drive. Like I said, and just wanting to be out there and do that. And once once you get that drive put into you, it, it's really almost impossible to get rid of. I mean, you just sit there on a rainy day and stare out the window and just look at the weather and just go, I'm going. <laughs> and you go anyways, you know, because there's just something calling you to, to get there and to do it. That's because when you look out the window, you go, are the deer missing me as much as I miss them? <laughs> yeah, Exactly. <laughs> so so mark we're getting down to the last couple of minutes here is there anything that you want to leave the guests with um before we sign off uh, other than definitely check out more recent game calls um and that may be custom knives obviously stay tuned to you guys to see what's going to be happening new coming in and out of the shop and uh we've kind of discussed a little bit the new turkey calls are coming out the pot calls but i think at some point in time we'll get together and uh i think we ought to possibly give one of my calls away to a youth hunter um, okay i'll let you decide on how you want to do that i'll get it ready to go and we'll get some posting of it and maybe have them write you and let you know why they think they should have it and what they do for hunting and what they enjoy about it and if you can't bless somebody with one of the calls so so at that we'll call it this we'll call it a youth hunter that um has to write in and say what drives them outdoors Yep, I like exactly. it, and uh, and they they will be eligible to win a uh, a custom call from Nor'easter Game Calls of Mark's choosing. Absolutely. Yep. Hey, yep. they I, just tell me the, they just tell me the sport that they want to hunt, and uh, we'll, we'll provide a call for it. I love it. I absolutely love it. I think it's a great thing, um, yep. and it will get it'll keep a, another young one at at bay to. Uh, to harvest more animals this this 2020 season. I mean, this season is the is the season of of big big changes, especially here at the outdoor drive and and with nor'easter game calls. So, um, I love it, dude. I love it. I'm I'm just excited. <laughs> just Absolutely. Um. So so I guess that I guess we're at the end of of the nor'easter game calls podcast drive yeah what i say oh yeah the drive <laughs> so steve you want to close this out properly yeah man i'd be more than proud to so mark thank you again for joining us it's been a great time and i look forward to the future i think we're going to have 
an incredible partnership and what you're doing for the outdoors is just amazing uh please keep making the artwork and we'll be up to see you soon for everybody out there on the air thank you guys for taking the ride right here on the outdoor drive (laughs) 